This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks, TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. I hope you're doing well. Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the word to the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, I hope you had a great weekend. I hope your Thanksgiving holiday was phenomenal. Hopefully you're coming down off of that uh, that turkey sleep, if you will, and you're getting your energy back and enjoyed a fantastic weekend with family. And hopefully your weekend included gathering together with the people of God and the house of God to lift up the name of our great God and King. Today, we want to help you get ready. Get ready for Christmas. You know, it's a great season for you to draw closer to the Lord, but it's also a season that is marked by so many conflicting messages. There's the commercialization of the season. There are those who are skeptic, uh, skeptical of the whole thing, and their suspicion says, hey, let's not even engage in anything that has to do with Christmas. And then there are those, uh, like my guest today, that want to remind us of the gifts of grace that we uh, should be aware of, not just in this season, but in every season, but particularly as we lead up to a celebration of the birth of our Lord, the coming of our Lord into the world as the Lamb of God who would die for the sins of man, purchasing our redemption, ultimately raising from the grave with all power in his hand. And today we want you to know his love, and his grace. My guest today is Jared Wilson. Uh, Jared is uh, pretty well known as a writer, an author, a speaker. He's the assistant professor of pastoral ministry at Spurgeon College. He's also an author in residence at uh, Midwestern Seminary. He's a general editor for the church and director of the Pastoral Training Center at Liberty Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. His books include Love Me Anyway, Your Jesus is Too Safe, Gospel Wakefulness, The Imperfect Disciple, which is my favorite, and also today I'll hold in my hands his Christmas Advent devotions. It's called Gifts of Grace. Jerry, how are you, brother? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Chris? Good. So take me back in the way, way back machine. What was Christmases like around the Wilson household? Oh, man. So Christmas, uh, leading up to Christmas, it was a time of detective work, man. I knew that there would be (laughs) gifts hidden around different places, and I was one of those Snoopy people. I was a Snoopy kid always trying to get into closets and trunks of cars (laughs) lifting up the tape off of uh, gift wrap packages to see if I could see labels underneath or a box, you know, that's, yeah. that's what they were like for me. <laughs> well, the key is to hide it in plain sight. I mean, we put it in our kids' <laughs> closets. They don't clean their rooms anyway. So I figured ah. if I hide it in their closet, they'll never see it because uh, their yeah. clothes are all over the floor. 
I think there's an Edgar Allan Poe story like that where they, they hide the letter on top of the desk. And, there yeah. you go. There you go. Now, were your uh, parents believers? Were you raised in a Christian home? I was raised in a Christian home, yeah. We uh, we celebrated the uh, incarnation of Jesus every year. It was always a, a great time of, of not just uh, family and friendship and festivity every year, but also uh, about our faith. We, we knew that, as they say, Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, as you look now as uh, as an adult with your own uh, family, uh, you and Becky, as you guys have tried to kind of process deeply how you want to approach this season, how, if it, if it at all, has it changed from your childhood? Well, I'll be honest. So even though I grew up in a Christian family, um, church-going family, a faithful family, we didn't really observe Advent, so to speak. Yeah, I remember there yeah. was a couple of years where um, we had sort of the the Advent candles. We had kind of a Yule log, and we did some kind of family readings. But that wasn't a an annual tradition. I think we maybe you know tried that a couple of times. I didn't grow up in churches that really observed sure. sort of four weeks of Advent. But it was coming to the last church that I pastored in Vermont, where it was an annual. Um, you know, meditation. It was an annual tradition beginning, you know, the 1st of December of really of trying to slow down and, um, you know, create that sense of expectancy and anticipation. And that was really shaping for me. It, it you know, it, it wasn't a, you know, a heritage or a tradition um, that I was raised in, but I, I really took to it. And so with our kids and in the churches that we've been a part of since then, um, we've really enjoyed the the Advent season, being able to sort of, in a way, kind of tap into the sense of expectancy and, yes. and for, you know, for me, the slowing down because the Christmas season is just so busy. Um, I'm so overwhelmed. I try to cram so much in. I love Christmas so much, and I blink and it's gone. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. yeah. And this is a way of really trying to slow down and 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 focus on on Jesus. Jared uh, Wilson is my guest today. His book, Gifts of Grace, 25 Advent Devotions. You know, we keep using this word Advent, and the opening words of your book and the introduction are these. Advent is about anticipation. For those who are unfamiliar with the term Advent, give us a sense of what it means and broadly what the season represents. Yeah, so Advent, you know, basically just means coming or the arrival. Um, and so the Advent season or, or, or the time of Advent is the time leading up to the celebration of Christmas Day, where we, in a way, sort of spiritually reflect on what it was like to anticipate the birth of Jesus, his, his first Advent, his first coming. We're trying to put ourselves in the mindset of the expectation of the people of God, um, of the anticipation, the longing, the yearning, so much pent up um, hope, um, you know, the, the shackles of injustice, the lament of suffering, but also just that, that, that hope that grows and, and gradually, you know, um, rises over the horizon, like the sunrise at, at dawn, you know, so Christmas Day is like the first dawn of, of sunbeams coming over the, you know, crust of the earth. And so we're trying to anticipate that. Of course, you know, Jesus has come. We know that he was born of a virgin. We, we know that his first advent has already occurred. 
And so what it also helps us do is prepare our hearts for the second advent, for the second coming of Christ. Um, you know, he says he's coming soon. We don't know when that day will be, but, you know, every year as we sort of focus on the spiritual meaning of the first advent, we can really tune our hearts to the kind of hope, expectation, joy, satisfaction in Jesus um, that every Christian has to have year round in terms of living in the light of his, um, you know, of our blessed hope, the second coming of Christ. So when you put together a book like this, you're hoping that people will slowly unwrap each gift each day. Talk about how an Advent devotional uh, book like yours can benefit our heart and deepen our devotion to Jesus. Right. So most Advent devotions are built around a particular theme or a particular idea. You're following um, you know, a major idea in the Bible, and you're trying to see the connection to, um, to the birth of Christ or the coming of Christ. What I try to do with my book is mimic the practice of walking through an Advent calendar. So we have these great devices now that lots of families and, and folks use, where every day you open up a little door or a little window in the Advent calendar. And, you know, for children or for families, sometimes behind the little door is a little treat of some kind. There's a little piece of candy or, you know, a, a little toy or something like that. There's all kinds of Advent calendars. In fact, my my wife just bought my uh, my daughter one for her dog. There's a dog Advent calendar <laughs> where behind every day, behind every day, there's, you know, you know, 25 doors and you open each one and there's a dog treat or, or something in there. I think, you know, the dog's not aware of Advent, but I guess first I've ever heard. <laughs> it's the first I'd ever heard of that myself. But the idea behind the book is that every day um, is like opening up a new gift for uh, in an Advent calendar. So the book is patterned as an Advent calendar. You don't know what each gift is going to be. You could obviously read ahead and find out, but the table of contents doesn't tell you what each day's gift is. So when you turn that next new page, you discover today's gift is. And the idea is um, through the gospel, we receive um, you know, so much grace, so many angles of, of grace from the finished work of Christ. And, um, you know, we're just going to look at 25 different gifts that we receive from the grace of Jesus. There's also this weaving that you do in of some of the uh, most memorable songs of Christmas as well. And I love how you pull from those lyrics and how you weave it with uh, Scripture to be able to help our eyes to be open, our heart to be awakened to um, uh, the grace that you want uh, to put on display for that particular day. So I really people think people will will love this. You know, earlier you talked about the grace we have received. This is what the Gospel of John says, and I'd love for you to just comment on this before we go to break. 1 John 1, 16, it tells us that we have received grace upon grace. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, um... Yeah, the, the apostle tells us that from the fullness of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace. It is as if Christ himself is an endless fountain of goodness to us, an endless fountain of grace to us, a bottomless supply of, of mercy, of generosity. And that's what the book is really organized around. Every day is a different gift of grace. What is something that, that we receive by being united to Christ by faith? What is something through the gospel 
um, that we receive uniquely. And we could have written, you know, a 365, you know, daily devotion working through all the gifts that we receive because we'll be celebrating and enjoying these gifts for all eternity. But I had to kind of narrow it down to 25 to fit the Advent, um, you know, the Advent schedule. But that's the idea is that from Christ, we have a, a, a treasure chest of God's grace. Well, we're going to go into our first break with the beautiful song, Angels We Have Heard on High. And while we prepare for that break, I want to ask you this question. Do you often reach Christmas exhausted? Maybe you find yourself less joy-filled than you want. Maybe you are a parent who's struggling with the thought of, man, my kids are more concerned about the gifts under the tree than they are about the gift of the Word of God becoming flesh. Well, here's what we want to do. We want to help you with Jared's wonderful book, Gifts of Grace. It's 25 Advent Devotions. I want you to get your hands on it. Go to our website now, equipradio.org. We'll be right back. On Equip, we tackle the tough issues, and there sure have been many this past year, but we continue to confront them with the relevant biblical truth of the gospel. As we turn to a new year, will you join our Christ-centered approach by becoming an AutoGift monthly partner? Keep Equip on the air in your community and across the nation. Your $30, $50, or $85 a month gift will make a huge difference in this new year. Equip yourself and make a difference for Christ and His kingdom at the same time by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, getting you ready for celebrating the birth, the coming of Christ into the world, hopefully you know. That is the watershed moment of human history. That's the highlight of humanity and the fact that Christ and the grace of God breaks in and uh, overcomes death, hell, and the grave, grants us salvation, provides for us redemption, is worthy of our attention and our celebration. That's why today I am so excited to present to you Gifts of Grace, 25 Advent Devotions by Jared Wilson. Now, before we go back to Jared, I do want to say thank you. Thank you to all of our friends and partners who have stood with us throughout this year, prayerfully and financially. The fact that we've been able to broadcast every day of 2022 is not lost on me. And in many ways, it's because of God's grace expressed through your generosity towards this ministry. We're so grateful to partner with you with the mission of equipping the next generation to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith, to tackle the tough issues of our culture uh, with the gospel, and to be able to help you to be uh, tough-minded and tender-hearted as you seek to uh, reach others with uh, the gospel and to bear faithful witness to Christ in your home, in your family, in your church, and in your community. As we prepare for a new year, we realize that the key to dreaming big about the year to come is ending this year strong. And so today I would ask that you would consider giving a gift. If we've been a blessing to you, 
Today we need all hands on deck. As we finish out November, preparing for December, if you could give today, it would be a huge blessing. Maybe a gift of $25 or $50 or $100 or $5 or even $1,000. Know that your generous year-end tax-deductible gift will help to add fuel to our engine and allow us to be able to reach more people in your community with the good news of God's grace. All you have to do is call 888 644-4144. I'll give you the number again. It's 888-644-4144. Or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org. Jared Wilson, again, is my guest. Jared, I'm thinking about the lyrics from one of my favorite uh, uh, songs, Oh Holy Night. And there's this uh, segment that says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new glorious morn. Fall on your knees. O hear the angels' voices. O night divine. O night when Christ was born. Now, I read those lyrics because I love you so much that I wouldn't sing them. But I do (laughs) think about the hope that seems to be the thread throughout your book. Share with us the difference between Christian hope and the hope of the world or the world's hope? That's a great question. The, the The major difference is just the certainty, the conviction. When the world hopes, um, there is a, a, a doubt about whether something will come true or not. They hope something will happen. I hope this is the case. I hope this comes true. I hope I realize this. I hope I achieve this. But the Christian hope is sure. This is what our our hope is. It's the conviction of things unseen. We hope, and our hope is blessed, because our hope is in Christ. We know that he has come. We know that he has died for our sins. We know that he has risen bodily, gloriously. We know that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. We know that he is coming again soon. So our hope is not a sort of tenuous, threaded with doubt, um, in, improbability. Uh, it's not a crossed fingers, you know, kind of hope. It is, it is a hope of conviction. It is a sure hope. And it's a hope that will be realized. Our, our hope will be uh, justified and, and fulfilled uh, when Christ returns. You know, when we think about Christmas hope, we often can make the mistake that this is just an exciting time for those who have already trusted in Jesus, those who have already placed their faith in him. But why is this a time where those who are far from Christ should rejoice? Well, we have, I think, the benevolence of of Christians. It's a time of year when the church seems um, extraordinarily focused. We ought to be focused every year uh, or, or at all times of the year, but we're extraordinarily focused on uh, on grace and on charity. And so I think there is a a common grace that can be um, found from the, you know, by the world in the celebration of Christmas. Um, but I think they're at a, you know, heightened advantage because everywhere you turn um, in the Christmas season, you're hearing the gospel story. It's about the only culturally acceptable way to smuggle the gospel story into the world um, is at Christmas time, whether it's hearing songs as you're, you know, walking through Walmart or, um, you know, even the children's, you know, specials on TV. I mean, I, you know, I think sometimes about how many millions of people 
have to have heard the good news of Jesus simply by watching the Charlie Brown Christmas special every year. <laughs> even, even, you know, even if they didn't go to a, a church service, even if they didn't, you know, uh, you know, open themselves up to what they would consider religious, you know, messaging. And they're just trying to have a secular Christmas. If you watch Charlie Brown, you have a very clear re- uh, recitation from Linus of, uh, of Luke chapter two. And, um, you know, the proclamation of Christ coming, you have the words of scripture going out on broadcast television every year because of the, uh, Charlie Brown special. <laughs> you know what? I've always been a huge fan of Charlie Brown. Now I know why, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the other songs you weave in. And I, again, I love how you take our favorite songs and you just bring out the gospel through them. But what child is this? And uh, there's a line in What Child Is This that could be confusing to so many. And it simply says, good Christians fear for sinners hear the silent word is pleading. What does that mean? Well, I believe that the silent word is, uh, in this sense, the justification of the gospel. The you know verbal word or the vocal word, of course, is the proclamation of the gospel. But we have the still small voice of, of the Holy Spirit who is reminding us, um, you know, constantly speaking the truth to our hearts of the uh, invisible Christ's uh, very real justification of us. So whether we have that on uh, explicit or literal audio, you know, yes. hearing the gospel message, we are still covered by the gospel at all times. If, if, yes. if, if we are believers... Um, you know, Christ who we cannot see yet, we will see him someday, but the Christ that we cannot see yet is advocating for us. Mm. Um, his, his finished work stands as our justification mm. at every second of, of every day. So I think that's what the, uh, the song more largely is, is getting at. I want you to speak to a group of people who maybe feel, man, God's so distant from them and grace so far from them. And and I want to just bring up two reasons why I want you to speak to this group. One, are those who maybe overplace their hopes in the politics of this world? We're coming off of an election, and, you know, there are those who um, went in hoping for certain outcomes, and maybe those outcomes have been very different than what their hearts hoped for, and now they're wondering, God, where are you in all of this? And then obviously there's a person who on a personal level maybe has gone through heartache or trauma and they're feeling like, God, why are you so silent? Why are you so distant from me? I've put my faith and my trust in you, but I don't sense your presence near. What do you want to say to those groups who are wondering, God, where are you? Man, it's a a perennial question, isn't it? I think it, you know, you see that, um, that feeling, that sentiment echoed in the scriptures themselves, in the Psalms, for instance, right? You know, where the psalmist is crying out to God, wondering, you know, why God won't uh, rescue or solve the situation or, or even speak. I, you, know, you know, they feel distant. So this isn't a new phenomenon at all. And it's, you know, there's some, I think, odd encouragement in that and an ironic encouragement in that. When I, you know, have those feelings as as I have before, and I assume will, um, you know, throughout my life, I take a weird encouragement in knowing I'm not alone in that experience. That yeah. it's not a, it's not an uncommon thing. I'm not uniquely, in a sense, al- you know, have a sense of alienation from God 
um, that even God's own servants felt that way in, in the Bible. Um, that doesn't solve the issue. That doesn't bring total you know, comfort and consolation, but it's a, it's a beginning step. And then the next word is just to see how close Christ really is. One of the things I like to dwell on, and I talk about it in, in the Advent uh, book here, is um, you know, how we're united to Christ by faith. And if we're united to Christ by faith, if we are, as, as Paul says in Colossians, if we are hidden with Christ in God, um, if we are in him, as you know, the New Testament just sort of uh, rehearses and reverberates throughout, the major theme is, is union with Christ. If that is true, then my feelings aren't the basis of Christ's closeness to me. Um, I can know whether I feel it or not that Jesus is as close as my next breath or, or even closer, that he dwells inside of me and that I spiritually dwell inside of him. That's a comfort to me. Even if I don't feel particularly close, even if I feel like God is being silent, yeah. um, I can know theologically that he is as close as, as he could possibly be. And I can know that all I have to do to hear him um, is is open up his word that when I open up the word of God, he he is speaking to me. He's I can't rightly say that he is silent to me. What I'm saying is I don't feel close to God, but feelings are not the foundation of our faith. Feelings don't have the final verdict, does do they? Uh, praise God for the truth of His words. You know, during Grace says this about Jared's book, like a compass, they recalibrate our soul. And so I love this, that uh, Jared's book is a realignment, a recalibration for our soul. Maybe you've been weary. Maybe you felt God uh, distant. Maybe it's just time for your soul to be recalibrated. Pick up Gifts of Grace. Go to our website, equipradio.org. What child is this? We'll be right back. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Jared Wilson is my guest today. We're talking about his newest book, Gifts of Grace, 25 Advent Devotions. So grateful for you that are listening. I also want to say thanks. This has been a great month for new friends who have uh, become partners and donors to the ministry for the first time. So thank you, Carol, in Indianapolis. Thank you, Elizabeth in Hollywood, Florida. Thank you, Paula, in Hamilton, Bermuda. Uh, so awesome to uh, know that you're listening and so grateful for your friendship and partnership. Maybe you've been listening to Equip throughout the year. Maybe you've enjoyed our guest. Uh, maybe the resources have been a blessing to your life, the prayers and encouragement to your heart, the words of wisdom carrying you through various seasons. Well, I want to always center the gospel and and hopefully put Christ on display in every show. And so your generosity allows that to take place. If you've been blessed, can you stand with us today? In particular, if you've never supported before, you've never given before, today will be a great day to express your generosity. And it's super easy to do so. Call the number 888 
888-644-4144. Do it today, 888-644-4144, or go to equipradio.org. Jared, as uh, we seek to encourage people preparing this Advent season to celebrate the coming of the Son of God into the world, there are going to be those who are either right now in the throes of very difficult family situations or those who are almost lamenting the holiday season because they know it means that they're going to have to spend some time with some folks that don't bring out the best in them. What do you say to those who are facing hard family challenging situations? Well, these times of the year certainly bring up that, that, those opportunities uh, more than any other, don't they? And it's uh, it's a strange coincidence because at the times of the year that we ought to feel or we want to feel most at peace and most full of hope and most joyful, they are, are the times of year that put us in the position to experience family conflict and um, you know, family drama and maybe even the stresses financially, different things like that, that um, we, we, we often feel like cross purposes. Our expectation and reality are on a collision course <laughs> during holiday seasons. And Christmas is probably the you know peak of that. Um, the primary thing I would say is um, we know that, that Christ um, navigates conflict perfectly because he is the son of God. And therefore, we know that the more like Christ we become, the better we'll be able to withstand um, criticisms, passive aggression. Um, the more we'll be able to uh, respond kindly, the the thicker skin we'll have, the, the tender heart we'll have. And so if we want to become more like Christ, we have to look at Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says it's by beholding the glory of Jesus that we are transformed from one degree of glory into another, into his likeness. And this comes by the Holy Spirit. So there's something about really meditating on the grace of Jesus, really staring in a way, beholding Jesus, that makes us more like Jesus. So, you know, uh, devotions like mine and and other works, of course, and our, our focus on Christ this holiday season can help us have the mindset of Christ to have you know, this mind among us that was in Christ, to be humble, to be servant-hearted. This can help us navigate these sort of tricky, you know, uh, relational conflicts that kind of come to bear. Um, we we can't expect to be more like Jesus or to respond in Christ-like ways if we're staring um, at, at things that don't um, instill our hearts with grace and, yeah. and help us to focus on the Word of God. It really is an opportunity for us to model... Uh, before watching world, how Christ has transformed our lives to be able to show the kindness to patients, the love that we've received. You know, I say this to to uh, folks all the time who maybe uh, are in marriages to someone who's not a believer. Maybe you guys got married and neither one of you believed in Jesus, and then you came to faith in Christ. And I pray that your faith in Christ will cause you to be more patient more more merciful, more loving, um, more committed to your spouse, not less. Hopefully what they don't sense is that your relationship with Christ has only made you more mean, judgmental, angry, 
So it really is an opportunity that we have before us. Doesn't make it any easier, Jarrett. Uh, no, it but, doesn't. But God is present with us. And uh, praise God for the grace that we have received, even for moments like like that. I want to talk about the person, and you're very vulnerable and transparent in your book, about the fact that one of the struggles that you have is this, this sense of earning God's acceptance. And I think all of us um, face this temptation of merit-based approval, if you will. I came to faith in Christ uh, through what I would call a, a really healthy church overall, very, very faithful to the Lord, very faithful to the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, but there was the ethos of the church was, hey, we prove to God how much we love him by what we do for him. And uh, the uh, unintended outflow of that was this sense of, as you did more for Christ, more for the local church, you felt like God loved you more. If you were in a season where you uh, weren't performing at your best, you maybe were tempted to feel like God's love for you de- decreased. Now, nobody said it that blatantly, but certainly right. that was the way you felt in your soul. You've dealt with that. How have you dealt with that? And what do you want to say to people who are who are living with that? Well, my experience is very similar to yours, Chris. I, I grew up in a church culture that um, had the biblical gospel. There was no question at all that their that their doctrine was uh, was orthodox. That they had the biblical gospel, and yet the culture of discipleship and kind of the thrust of teaching and the idea of spiritual growth really um, sprang from the idea that the gospel is just for lost people that it's 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 just for the um you know for the non-christian and then once you have the gospel once you believe you move on to other things and uh you know out of that of course comes a kind of works-based discipleship or works-oriented discipleship so it it you know it wasn't a legalism you know formally it it wasn't a legalism on paper so to speak but it really kind of, um, you know, for a neurotic kind of worried, insecure kid like myself, mm-hmm. I grew up uh, always believing that the gospel uh, was for me in the past tense. But now I was really kind of having to, you know, earn my stripes or prove myself to Jesus. And this doesn't negate the call to good works and obedience. But when we center those things as the center of the Christian life, um, it really became a source of, of insecurity for me. I struggled with assurance for a very long time. And then I came across the idea, this the radical notion, the biblical notion, uh, which was a surprise to me, um, that the gospel is not just for the lost, it's for the Christian as well. So, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, um, I want to remind you about this gospel. And he says, you received it, past tense. But then he says, in which you stand, you are you are present tense, standing in the gospel, and you are being saved by the gospel, present future tense, by which I take him to mean the work of sanctification in our in our lives. So the the entirety of the Christian life is to be centered on the good news of Jesus, which is what yes. I try to do in the book, and and I hope it will be a word of comfort. I hope it will serve um, the security and assurance of Christians so who may good. feel like, man, I'm only as good as what I've done or haven't done. I even have a whole day that's oriented around the gift of assurance. Yeah, and also about the wonders of his love. 
Uh, and, and I just want to read an excerpt as we prepare for our, our final break. You say these words, and this is why he came, to show us his love face to face, to look us in the face, that we might see his face and see in it nothing but love. I love that because Christ does love you. And it's not based off of your merits. It's based off of his grace. And I pray that that would minister to your soul, quell your insecurities and awaken within you a hope and a rejoicing. I'm telling you, friends, this is such an encouraging resource for this season. If you don't have an Advent devotion, can I commend to you gifts of grace? I want you to enjoy this rendition of the First Noel while you go to our website, EquipRadio.org. We all want to live joy-filled lives, filled with satisfaction in God. But that life is not automatic, even for seasoned saints. So what do you do when you're weary in the battle and you want to give up? John Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, will energize you as you fight for joy and encourage others along the way. Ask for your copy when you support Equip this month. Call 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. Hey, friends, welcome back. What a great conversation we're having with Jared Wilson. His book, Gifts of Grace, is one that I would love for you to have. We can get it to you in time to begin the month of uh, Christmas off with your heart set on journey to discover the gifts of grace so that when Christmas morning arrives, your heart is so aflame with passion for Jesus that you are able to greet that day with a heart full of joy and celebration. You can find out more on how to order the resource by going to our website, equipradio.org. Also, social media is available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Facebook and Twitter at Equip Radio. There you can learn more about the resource as well as Jared. All right, Jared, I know this is going to be the toughest question I asked you, but out of all the days, devotions that you wrote, which one was most meaningful to you? Uh, well, you know, I think similar to um, our, our last topic of conversation before the break, the uh, the topic of present standing in Christ. So I have, um, you know, I won't share which day it is, but there's a day I talk about the imputation of Christ's righteousness. And I know that's kind of a big theological word, <laughs> imputation, but but it simply means that we are counted righteous in Jesus, that we, we you know, we're not just forgiven of our sins by the gospel, though we are forgiven of our sins by the gospel. Um, but we have, have also been given credited to our account, the perfect obedience of Christ himself, that that slate of our heart is wiped clean, um, at salvation, but it is also then inscribed with the perfect, um, holiness of Jesus himself. So the chapter on imputation is probably my favorite because that's the doctrine that really kind of turned the light bulb on for me, kind of um, brought me to a kind of gospel awakening uh, later in my in my life. Um, and it's a, it's a precious doctrine to me to know that when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my failings and flaws. When God looks at me, he sees me through the lens of Jesus himself, through his own beloved son. 
You know, when you speak in those terms, I can only imagine what that means to somebody who has lived with those insecurities. And I pray that today folks are leaving with this great sense of the love of God deeply in their heart. You say this in the book, that the uh, gift of the gospel is bigger than we expected. What do you mean by that? Well, we we know that the the simplicity of the gospel saves. We know that... Um, you know, the, that Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the grave on the third day means that we can be forgiven of our sin and have the gift of going to heaven when we die, you know, that we get to spend eternity with Jesus. And that's where I think, um, I mean, that's true. Um, you, you couldn't say um, any less about the gospel and it, and it still be the gospel. Um, but the gospel, once you step in, um, you actually see that it's about a lot more than that as well. Um, it's kind of like the illustration I like to use is uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Narnia stories, right? So there's a wardrobe and, you know, we all know what a wardrobe holds. It holds coats and, you know, things like that. It looks manageable. Uh, but once the, the you know, kids in, in the Narnia stories step into the wardrobe, they discover there's a whole universe inside of there. There's a whole world to explore inside of there. <laughs> and it's uh, and there's even in the Narnia stories, there's even another example of, of Aslan's barn, where I think uh, one of the characters, Lucy, I think it is, says that the barn is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. This is, a, I think, Lewis's reflection of the gospel itself. Um, it is simple enough that a child can, uh, you know, um, understand it, be, be saved, by believing in it with a simple faith, a childlike faith. And yet once you step through that door, once you step through the, the wardrobe of the gospel, you begin to see, just as John 1, 16 says, that in the fullness of Christ, there is, a, there is just grace upon grace. There is grace after grace there. It's bigger on the inside than it even looks on the outside. And we have a picture of that at Christmas too, don't we? We have little baby Jesus in that manger, in the stable, um, he is bigger than he looks. He is he is God incarnate. You could pick him up. You can swaddle him. You can cradle him. Uh, you can put him in a manger. But he is the God of the universe in the flesh. So um, even Christmas uh, itself gives us a picture of the bigness of the gospel. All right. There may be pastors who are listening to us right now. And I'd love to maybe speak to them about how they can use this for their church, Jared. Uh, this is a book that certainly can be read on an individual basis, but I'm looking at what our friend, our mutual friend, Dan Darling, said about your book. It says that Jared's words will speak to your soul and stir your imagination. And there may be pastors listening, thinking, man, I've been through this season many a year. How do I approach this with fresh passion and imagination? What would you say to them on how they can use this resource? Well, the first thing is, gosh, because this season is sometimes the most overwhelming and busiest for ministry leaders. I mean, pastors, you know, heading into this season when it should be a time um, in some sense of rest and festivity and fellowship, it becomes the busiest, most appointment heavy, most schedule heavy time of the year. Um, it's almost, you know, th this and Easter, you know, Christmas and Easter are like the church's, you know, Super Bowls in some way. Um, and, and so my hope would be that the individual pastor could, you know, work through the, uh, devotional every day, see the grace that is there for them. The gospel is, is also power. The new Testament refers to the gospel as, as the power of God. 
And, and so to get through each day, to, to experience the rest, to experience intimacy with Christ that we need to navigate the pressures mm. and the heaviness and the busyness of ministry, we need to take that time in solitude with him. But the other thing I would say is, you know, the book is really designed in such a way that it could be used by churches entirely. If you want to get your entire church focused on the grace of God, or maybe your Bible study or your community group, it's a it's a paperback book. It's a short book. It's a it's a inexpensive book. You could buy multiple copies and have your entire church or have your community group, uh, your Sunday school class, your youth group. You could have them reading, and so we're all kind of looking at the same gift of grace every day and it kind of can build a sense of spiritual unity in our church at a time when we are very tempted to be kind of frenzied and and over harried and and busy yeah you know that speaks to my soul as a pastor as a leader that we need to allow the gospel and and uh, god's grace to do a work in us if we have any hopes that uh, it can do a work through us jerry we got about 60 seconds until we got to go but how does Christmas point us to the second coming of Christ? The expectation, the longing, the joy that we experience that is built up in this compact period of time, looking for that December 25th celebration, that is to be um, really the characteristic of the Christian 365 days a year. We are to, to look to the second coming of Christ with a sense of expectation, a sense of joy, a sense of certainty, um, knowing that our longing will be fulfilled. Christmas is really a microcosm uh, for us. When we rehearse the first coming of Jesus every year, um, we're training ourselves uh, for the rest of the year in expecting his second coming. Well, friends, this is what my hope was in having Jared on to help you to keep focus on Jesus throughout this busy season. I hope that this conversation has helped you to ponder more deeply the gifts of grace that are ours through the glory of Christ our Lord. And let me just say to you, brother, what a blessing it's been to have you on. And thanks for this labor of love. I know it's never easy uh, writing these uh, these books, but God has uh, certainly gifted you uh, to do that. And uh, each book has been a blessing to my own heart. And I'm grateful for the gifts of grace. God bless you, brother. Chris, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, friends, I want to encourage you again, get a copy of this. Let your soul be awakened. And as Derwin Gray says, let this be a compass that recalibrates your soul. And maybe not just yours, but the souls of your family, the souls of your church. I want to encourage you, put your faith and your trust in him. Invite others to do the same so they can know the vastness the ocean of his love. They can know the assurance of his grace and they can know the joy of salvation. Go to our our website, equipradio.org. And until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends, Chris Brooks here with a question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus clearly answered that question, teaching his disciples what it meant to know, follow, and be victorious through him. I want you to join me on Equip, where we're going to study God's word and learn how to follow the Savior. Don't miss the next Equip. 
Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or EquipRadio.org.